behind every great beer is an even better story. Welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews. There are many roles within the craft beer industry. Brewers, salespeople, marketers, packaging, delivery drivers, bar staff, the list just goes on and on. And on this podcast, I'm going to try and speak to everyone I can from every corner of the industry. A few of my earlier podcasts featured marketers who provided insight and advice on the tricky practice of taking an amazing liquid to the consumer and getting them to hand over their hard-earned cash to drink it. These podcasts were very popular. And so I decided to invite another experienced marketer on to have a chat about the industry and answer a few questions from some of my social media followers. One-time drummer in a rock band, Jesse Jungle Wallace spent time in Canada working as a graphic designer for Big Rock in Vancouver, eventually working her way up to running events and experiences for them. She is a certified Cicerone, a home brewer and a huge fan of craft beer. So when she returned home to Australia, it seemed only natural that she would find a way to combine her passion for craft beer with her branding and design skills. Jessie's company, Craft Instinct, is a brand development and design service specialising in the craft beverage industry. They've worked with well-known brands such as the Crafty Pint, Blackman's Brewery and Pink Boots Australia. So let's get amongst it and talk about the craft beer market. Welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews, Jessie Jungawala. Thank you. It's good to be here. Uh, it's so awesome to have you here today and thank you for persevering through a few technical issues. Uh, I've just not had a great start to the day, but anyway, we're here and we're going. Now, look, for this interview, I thought I might try and do something a little bit different today and I've asked some of my Facebook followers to pose a few questions to you. But before we get into that, let's tackle the big issues. What kind of band did you used to play in and who was your favourite drummer? Um so I played in a trio with my sister and my best friend and we started off playing sort of folky type of music and then we progressed pretty quickly into the heavier stuff just because it's way more fun to play. So we ended up sort of being straight up rock and roll by the end of things. What did you call yourselves? Jungle, the first uh, first part of my last name and my sister's last name. Ah, nice, nice. And your favourite drummer? Uh, John Bonham from Led Zeppelin. Very cool, very cool. Maybe Maybe some of the people listening to this don't. Don't know much about Led Zeppelin, but uh, for those of you that are in your 30s and 40s, they were sort of this really cool rock group back in the day. Just <laughs> kind of a big deal, I suppose. <laughs> and tell us about your time in Canada. Like you went over there to to play music, but you just happened yeah. to fall in love with this thing called craft beer. How did that happen? I did. I did. Well, I actually fell in love with my fiancé, my Canadian fiancé, and, and, right. and then after that, I fell in love with craft beer. <laughs> they so, come as a package deal, did they? Well, they they did. You know, Canada was very good to me. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, did, I fell in love with craft beer in Vancouver. And uh, they always say that um, when you get introduced to craft beer, you you sort of fall in love with, with a beer. There's like a bit of an epiphany beer. Did you have one over there? I did. It was, uh, there was a, just down the road from where I was living, there was a, a little brewing company called Parallel 49 and they had all sorts of crazy beers, but I always remember this one beer called Snap Crackle Hop and it was a rye rye uh, IPA and they had rice in it as well, I think, and it was a huge beer. I think it was nine point something percent and hazy before the haze craze. So yeah. just, you know, I'd never seen a beer that you couldn't see through. 
and I just thought it was amazing. It was a kind of like a meal, yeah, <laughs> very nice. heavy, and um, that's what got me started on the craft beer. That's, that's amazing, really, because you know, in the in the craft beer game, you always talk about you know gateway beers and introducing people to um, craft beer, and they're always like you know. Uh, the lighter style beers like a Stonewood Pacific Ale or maybe a James Scott 150 Lashes, so really easy drinking. But you've you've gone straight for a 10% Roy IPA, and Roy IPAs themselves can be quite polarising. I find that really great. <laughs> I go hard or go home. Yeah, kicking it in at the big end of town. <laughs> nice yeah, stuff. that's right. I read also that while you're over there, you did a bit of home brewing. How good were you at it? Were you were you really? In- um, I I did it a couple times in Vancouver and. I was, and this is absolute fluke because I'm not a very good scientist or home brewer usually, but the first beer that I made was bloody brilliant. I don't say so myself. And I <laughs> surprised myself and all of my friends with a, I think it was 6.7%. Oh, I just sort of copied the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale recipe, but it just came out super big, super hoppy, and it was just incredible. Well, it's a re- I was really expecting a soy sauce. <laughs> Uh, flavoured beer and I was pleasantly surprised. So was it a bit of like, uh, oh yeah, I've made my first beer, it's bloody amazing, mic drop moment, I'll just not do that anymore or you, or you kept <laughs> No, I kept, I did kept, we did a few more brews over there and uh, came back to, when I came back to Australia, did a few more brews over here but um, not so much lately because uh, my business has gotten so busy. Um, yep. Yeah, I haven't had a whole heap of time for home brewing. Oh, I was hoping you might say that you sort of got into kettle sours or barrel aging or something like that. That would have been awesome. Oh, that would have been really cool. The other the other thing I also discovered um, moving back here, and I, I did a few home brews with um, one of the brewers from Blackman's, um, cool. Rick, is that I my my creative mind is very creative and not very sciencey. So. <laughs> Well, when I'm home brewing, I can feel my brain working really hard to try and understand <laughs> what's going on. And I know it's very good for all my, uh, you know, little neurons and stuff going on in my brain. But at the same time, it's not something that comes naturally. And your fiance, you've come back here. Are you both Australian or Australian Canadian sort of combination here? Or? No, she's she's Canadian. Oh, nice. Yep, and and has uh, yeah found a home in Australia. We live down on the surf coast. Oh. Um, right by the ocean so Beautiful. it's pretty good down here it's pretty good in Canada too but you can't really compete with you know yeah. beachside I, living I, I must apologize then because you potentially would be going out to lunch with her today because today is Valentine's Day so I'm sorry for dragging you away from a Valentine's Day lunch oh yeah oh no no Valentine's <laughs> it's all good lunch. no you, you're past that now are you <laughs> yeah <laughs> fair enough and, and so when you guys came back to Australia were you looking to start up your agency immediately or maybe looking to get involved in another brewery or what was going on? Um, no, when we decided to move back, um, I'd been working for Big Rock Brewery in Canada doing um, their graphic design. And um, generally speaking, I, I've done graphic design my whole life as my sort of side hustle when I was doing music. And I always found uh, getting work, especially in Melbourne where I was based, just so difficult as a graphic designer. And so before we moved back, I just I shot out a few emails to a few different beer-based people and, and breweries and was pleasantly surprised that I got emails back oh, nice. saying, yes, let's come in and have a talk. And I thought, oh, well, that's pretty easy. And then when I did go and talk to people, I realized that my experience in Canada um, was quite an asset because 
it, it is like it, it you know it's in Vancouver's in the Pacific Northwest region, yeah. which is hot spot. It's at least five five or ten years ahead of where Australia was at that point yep. in craft beer. So I did have um, a, a lot of knowledge that I didn't really realize I had. <laughs> if that makes sense yeah. about um, you know sort of what's what was in the pipeline for the Australian beer scene. So um, I realized sort of on all this sort of positive response, I thought, oh. Maybe I can make a business out of this. Days. And yeah, the rest is history. Yeah. And look, it's it's tough starting a, a business in craft beer marketing because um, there's not always a lot of cash available for marketing spend with small independent breweries. Did you ever consider chasing the big bucks and and jumping on board with one of the maybe the larger brewers? Um, it'd be great to, of course, work with with a with a you know big budgets. That's what that's what I'd love to do. But what I wanted to do um, was with with my experience with Big Rock in Canada, um, and with a few smaller breweries. You know, I can see the way brewery operations are. There's not much cream. There's a lot of competition, um, and a lot of breweries I saw going out when they were at you know getting started and spending huge amounts of money on getting their brand created and developed by these big marketing agencies and then really having to go so skint on everything else to to try and make ends meet. That's usually because they'd have huge investment or whatever. Yeah. But I thought, well, what's the alternative for these breweries? They've got they've got either got to spend, you know, hundred thousand dollars with a marketing agency or they just go with one solo freelance graphic designer. So I saw potential for a middle ground in there and that's um, where our business model of craft instinct was born, oh. so we're 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 right in the middle there. So we have uh, we're a group, we're a collective of freelancers. We all work remotely, but we offer the same services as a full scale agency does. So whether it's web design, social media management, photography, videography, we have a huge spread of services we offer, and we have sort of this whole team ready to work on stuff. And everyone in the team is involved in the beer industry as well. So everyone gets it because it is a unique industry that you need to have some sort of insight into if you're going to work in the branding. Yeah, I, I, sure. I totally agree. And I, and I checked out your website this week and you've got some very talented uh, artists on your roster there and and one, yeah. one young lady yeah. by the name of Zoe Ottaway who's marketing strategy for you <laughs> is an absolutely uh, ripping person. What a legend. Isn't she? Yeah. Isn't she? Um, yeah. So who was your first client when you uh, started up? Um, in Australia? Yeah. Um, Hawthorne actually. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that was just when they were sort of still independent. Um, yeah. So I started working for them first off and, uh, then actually I, I knew a, a, a friend of mine who's now brewing for Stone and Wood. I'd known her previous to my beer life. Um, just when I just got out of uni and she said that she was, uh, brewing, she was at Mountain Goat at the time and to come along to this thing called uh, Pink Boots. Ah, yeah. And um, I just got back. I was back in the country for a month and, you know, I was all nervous and I didn't know anyone and I went along to this Pink Boots meeting and I was just so overwhelmed by everybody's friendliness and warmth there and just, you know, passion for beer and they're all women, which is really cool because as a woman in the beer industry, you're often just, surrounded by all men who are really passionate <laughs> yes. about beer which is great but it was just cool that to meet other women that felt the same way as me oh, about beer and then I found myself sitting around the table with um 
Jane from Two Birds yep. and uh, another fantastic lady. Yeah, and uh, Kiralee and Beardiva. you know all these um, ama- yeah yep. Beer Diva, all these amazing women, and and that was my first meeting Pretty, of Pink Food. Oh, nice. So, did you do any work to their to their logo at all? Was that your work? Um, yeah, yep. Did we did the logo and um, we do the the decals and things yep. for them when they need well, it. Yeah, yeah. I work in here where I work with a couple of designers, and I was showing her name's Annie, one of our designers here uh, yesterday. The Pink Boots sort of talking about chatting with you and. She was very impressed with your logo. She thought it was great. Oh, One designer great. to another. Thank there you. you go. There you go. <laughs> um, when I talk with, uh, you know, people in the marketing and design and that sort of industry um, and involved in beer, I'm always keen to know who they think is doing a really great job of getting their products out and about within the industry. So i say to you, like, who do you think is doing a fantastic job of cutting through the clutter in uh, in this marketplace right now? Uh, I mean, <laughs> there's the obvious answers, which is, of course, Bolter, which is obvious a uh, benchmark. Yes. Shout out to Steele. Yeah, benchmark for many brewers um, at the moment. Um, there's, you know, Stone and Wood, obviously, yeah. as well. I think they sort of don't need too much explaining no, I don't think so. everybody knows them so well. But I really, I actually really love um, what Filter's doing. Oh, Steph, yep. Yeah, so I love the look and feel. They've really nailed down that sort of 80s, early 80s, uh, uh, just so well. All the fonts, um, their colours, their social feed is, they just all look like pictures taken from the 80s. They look like Chico Roll ads. Aren't they so cool? Yeah, they look like They're stunning. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's a real commitment to consistency to keep that up and that is hard to do. So I think they're doing a, a brilliant job and their can, the can designs are so Aussie and yeah. retro. It's, they're, they're, they're really awesome. Well, and then another shout-out I'd probably give would be um, Young Henry's, yep. um, which is kind of another Aussie one. But what I really like um, about Young Henry's, and this is from a brand perspective, is that they've really focused on this one tiny segment of the market, which is sort of these metal rock and roll heads covered in tattoos that, yep. you know, focusing on that segment of the market, other people or, you know, people in the surrounding areas might think that that's sort of very close-minded to focus so much and give so much attention to that tiny little market. But in doing that and that consistent message look and feel, They've really reached a huge, big, wide audience. Even people that it is working for them. It's working so well, and they're they're in it every gig. They're sponsoring every music festival. Like they're doing a superb job. So there, so there's some great breweries doing some great things. Uh, here's your chance to pitch to a brewery out there to work with them. Who would you really love to work with? <laughs> I'd love to work with Green Beacon. Um, I love Green Beacon. I do. I love Green Beacon so much. I think about their beers and my mouth starts watering. That's how much (laughs) I love them. Um, And I'd love the excuse to go up to Queensland for a week at a time and just get down and dirty and get into branding with them. Um, But my ideal client would, I always say my ideal client would be someone who's an awesome brewer comes along to me and saying, I'm starting this brewery i've got huge investment private investment and (laughs) i know how to brew awesome beers but i don't have any idea about branding go nuts teach me teach me anyone that's out there listening yeah come to me you're my ideal client (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome all right so i mentioned before that i've asked some of my facebook followers to submit a few questions so i hope it's okay with you i've got one here from a fellow called rick fox and he asks 
How important is it to have a story behind the beer, whether it's fact or fiction? He makes reference to the story, in inverted commas, about maybe Great Northern being slightly factual. How do you feel about that? (laughs) I think uh, in this current climate, um, consumers and drinkers can kind of see through, uh, you know, a marketing spun story and people aren't really interested in a in a fake story I think stories are so important I think they're so interesting to people and consumers and 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 people want to know if it's a smaller brewery people want to know who started it why they started it what their story is and that way it brings them closer to the beer and gives them a better understanding about the product and with the big local movement that's going on around the world at the moment, that's becoming more and more important. So having a story is really important. It doesn't need to be, you don't need to make it up. Everyone has a cool story. No one has a boring story. You can find great stories in, in, in everyone's uh, past. So I, I think, think um, I think that's super important, and especially I think with the, brands. The key word rounding that all out is it has to be authentic, don't you think? Yes. That, Authentic, genuine, they're the buzzwords when yeah. you are, uh, you know, putting your story together as a as a brewery or yeah. a brewer. I, I totally agree with you. I, as a marketer as well, I, I work in software development and, and part of my job is to tell stories, uh, whether they be internal or external. And as a marketer, oh, I just love being able to grab a story and, and run with it, which is exactly why I do this whole Be Healer interviews thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone wants to, everyone's keen on stories. We've been like that since uh, time began with humans we've been telling stories around fire we've been popping them on the inside of caves now we have podcasts and books and movies they're all stories so we're always fascinated with them and it'll always help you with your craft beer branding amen to that now following on from that one uh lindsay o'burn wants to know how much importance needs to be placed on packaging he says from the can to the tap to social media and the website should it echo the story of the brewery or something to do with the potential drinker of that of that brew? Um, can I say all of the above? Of course um, you can. <laughs> the story is really important to, to be echoed across everything as much as possible, but the different applications of the, the brand have their own purpose and needs. So there's a lot of things, for example, with, with packaging, you've got a lot of stuff to think about um, when you're on the shelf competing with the with the other um brands out there um and that's things like the beer style how prominent the brand logo is what the look and feel is the colors and then as well as linking in the story a little bit there so i think you've got to try and link in your story as much as possible but you also got to think about the function of the uh brand application now now we're talking about that you've got me thinking about something i want to talk to you about um, getting females interested in craft beer because it's it's a tough thing and I think in general we haven't done a great job of it in the past in the industry I, and I'm I myself I'm slowly getting my wife to try beers it's been very difficult and she seems to be starting to get more interested in the beers that lean more towards say wine taste profiles and we visited uh, Trillium Brewery in Boston recently and she loved their American Wild Ale because it was made with a Chardonnay juice and that beer wasn't in a pink bottle or given a girly name. It was just a great tasting beer. So I'm just, my thing is, do we as marketers need to forget about the old ways of tra- attracting females into this industry and try something new? And what do you think? 
Um, I think we've got to maybe stop thinking about it as just uh, attracting females into the industry and, and more take a, a wider approach about being inclusive in the industry, whether it's, uh, you know, females or any other sort of um, minority groups. I think we want to we want to be an inclusive industry. So all of our branding and, and marketing needs to include, you know, not just big guy big white guys with beards yeah. <laughs> we need you know we need to we need to be inclusive of of everybody and and branding and marketing of course is such a huge role in that and if we can um move away from just having that sort of one profile of person and include all people of all shapes sizes and sexes in our um you know in our imagery and in our marketing i think uh i think that's the best way to move forward Fair enough. And as long as they're over 25, so you don't get uh, on the wrong side of the Advertising Standards Bureau, hey? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But definitely, I think um, I think the younger generation that's coming up now is um, is used to sort of this inclusive sort of marketing. Yep. Um, maybe people that are a little bit older, um, you know, have been brought up with, you know, wine is for women, uh, beer is for men marketing. Yep. So they're just their tastes have also grown with those sorts of messages. Sure. So it's really, yeah, those, uh, there's those crossover beers, the Gozers and the, you know, really light sort of wheat beers and stuff are a great um, entry for people in, into beer. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I've, I've also looked at some different studies that show that um, women are more likely to um, t- taste and try new things and be open to new tastes than, than men. Yep. Um, so that's also another really interesting um, thing to think yeah. about when thinking about inclusivity in the industry. I, I was really surprised at my wife because, again, harping back to, you know, entry-level beers are usually the simple tasting ones, but her palate is obviously developed along that wine side of things. So when she was drinking, you know, she drank two of them in a row, which was just unheard of, but <laughs> awesome. both of them, one was using uh, Voynier juice, I think is how you pronounce it, but both uh, – as put into casks and, you know, Asian. So they were pretty complex beers and she was bloody loving it, which is sort of goes against everything we say about trying to introduce um, females into this industry through these lighter tasting beers. Yeah, no, no. I think um, I think uh, that's, yeah, that's generalising and, and every, like every individual is different. We've all got different palates and, and taste different things and, um, yeah, I, I love it. I, I love nothing more than, uh, you know, when you, uh, your perceptions sort of get flipped when yep. things like that happen. I remember when I was serving beers, um, and, you know, a, a table would order a wine and, you know, a pint of rich, you know, Russian Imperial stout go over and put the wine automatically in front of the woman. And I always loved it when the women would be like, oh no, the beer's for me. Love it. <laughs> and then the yeah. guy would have the wine. I love that sort of stuff. That so hopefully there's more of that in the future. Absolutely. Now the next question comes from uh, Grant Chilcott, uh, Chili. He uh, he asks, what is the best format to sell beer in from a branding perspective? Is it can or bottle and what size? Oh, my Lord. Um, <laughs> hey, we are highbrow here. Look out. <laughs> I think, uh, look, um, if you look at the the, the trends that are happening, um it's definitely a, a can world at the moment. Yeah. Um, 
you've got a lot more space to tell your story on a can for starters. So um, designers, we love cans for that reason. Yep. Um, but I think it also depends on the beer style. So some beer styles just lend themselves a lot better to bottles than cans and um, vice versa. But I think that the way that the market's going, generally speaking, I'd say um, probably at 375 mil cans probably. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with you, and or maybe even five litre cans, so that you got more um, art space to work with, perhaps. Five litre yeah. cans. <laughs> I'm yet to drink one of them. Do you remember the old Heineken kegs used to come out? Oh yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. branding for you. <laughs> but seriously, I, I think also that uh, maybe the beers that have got a higher ABV, slightly more lend themselves to a wine type occasion, or that. Are, have got a little bit more theatre about them. Maybe they're, they're in the bottles with the wax-dipped tops and stuff like that perhaps? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. couldn't agree with you more. All right, Tim Fuller, he asks, is the market for work in beer marketing as competitive as breweries competing for patronage of consumers? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> the, uh, the beer world is so crazily competitive, um, especially when you've got, you know, the corporate ownership on tap space, yeah. um, the problem that we have in Australia, which um, should be illegal in my opinion. Um, so there's definitely not that sort of competition at all. I don't can't really think of too many industries where there's that sort of competition, <laughs> to be honest. And finally, Dan Pratt, he asks, why do so many Australian breweries use American cultural references in naming and promoting their beers? He doesn't like it and he offers up Biggie Juice from Feral and the Batch Sour series that are named after American rappers as examples. What do you think? Oh, look, unfortunately, um, Australia is just a giant copycat of the States sometimes, and I think um, you can see it within our culture. It comes through the television. You can even hear it um, with some of the younger younger kids these days in their accents. It's a little more American. Um, So I don't think it's, it's exclusive to the beer industry. I just think that's the way we are as a nation. Um, following in the footsteps of our big, bad older brother. Yeah, fair enough. And I think, you know, the the culture also opens up to so many puns and we know that craft beer uh, distributors and makers or whatever, we all love a good pun when it comes to beers, don't we? We do. And, uh, love a good pun. We love to love to laugh at our American friends. <laughs> so, I think our I think our American friends also love to laugh at themselves too. So yeah. we do have some similarities there with our humour for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now let's take a look into the crystal ball. Uh, are you seeing any marketing, branding trends on the horizon that will influence the Aussie market this year? Um, I think we're still. I thought the sort of the really clean. Branding and marketing um, would have its day and be over, but I think we're still heading into that sort of direction of your bolters and, yeah. and that sort of um, thing. But we did, uh, you know, earlier in this decade, we came from very complex, almost, uh, you know, children's book illustrative type of uh, styles on labels and, and branding for beers. But I think we're still in that sort of simple simple phase for sure as far as uh, branding goes. I was in New York recently and it seems that, they might be going back towards some of that illustrative type can artwork. I hope so. It's a lot more fun as a designer (laughs) for me. Um, I'm working on some can designs at the moment that are very illustrative based, um, which is really fun. So I think, um, you know, I don't really like to follow trends um, and I think most uh, brewery owners would say they don't like to either. 
but um, you want to be appealing to the consumer at the same time. So it, it is tricky. Yeah, fair tricky and balance it, there. And as usual, it's always difficult to stand out on a very crowded fridge shelf in the in the shop, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, that's uh, but that's part of uh, the beautiful challenge of uh, what we do at Craft Instinct, and that's sort of one of the reasons why we love doing what we do. If it was easy, it'd be boring. It'd be boring. Uh, maybe <laughs> five, back to those five liter cans. They'll stand out on shelves once again. <laughs> yeah, if we had the budget for Heineken, uh, if we if we had a budget like Heineken, we were we could do something like that. I'm sure. But most of my clients don't have that sort of budget. I used to work for Heineken back in the day when uh, we had had those five liter kegs out, and they were a hell of a lot of fun. Absolutely, we struggled to sell them, but they're a lot of fun. Oh, I'm sure you've got yeah, some they stories. Did, they did. I've, I've got <laughs> some stories, good. but it's not about me. This podcast, this is about you and in Craft Instinct. Um, you mentioned sort of. Off, uh, off the mic earlier that you've got some big plans coming up. You've uh, got a bit of a new website. Tell us a bit about what's going on at, at Craft Instinct for the next 12 months. We do. Well, when we started out, um, of course, it, it, it took a while to, to get on our feet. Um, it took a while for me to uh, get my pack together. When I call it my pack, I mean all the other freelancers that are involved. It takes a while to, you know, form trusted relationships. And, uh, you know, when you start out, you sort of do things on the lean sort of side of things. So we're still operating with a Squarespace website at the moment. But as we uh, now design websites from scratch, fully customized, grand, big, crazy websites, we thought, yeah. well, we, we better up the game with our website as well. Um, and also we work with uh, the Post Project. They're part of the pack um, who are Ooh. amazing. Um, videographers and filmmakers so we decided we'd do uh, a video as well just showcasing what craft instinct is and how we work so that'll be uh on the world wide web in a month or so so pretty excited about sounds that sounds awesome actually uh actually uh, taking our own advice that we give to our clients and, and applying it to our own brand i look forward to, to seeing that now uh, i know you run your own business so you've got to get back to things today i've been taking up enough of your lunchtime already so have you got another 90 seconds to go through the fast five questions with me? Ooh, sure. Excellent. All right, Jesse, your time starts now. Has beer ever led you astray and can you give details? Yes, it has and no, I can't. Oh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Who is the most famous person you've ever shared a beer with? Ooh, that would be um, De La Soul. Oh, I love De La Soul. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm a... I'm a 40-year-old who's got a, a, a fan of 90s hip-hop, and etc. and, oh, wow, fantastic. Yeah, I was shaking in my boots the whole time trying to look cool and be cool, but so I was cool. not cool at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what has what has beer done for you that nothing else has? Um, given me a career that I am passionate about and I believe in um, my whole heart and soul. There is, there is nothing better than finding something you're passionate about doing and making it into your job. Fantastic. Then it doesn't feel like a job. It's the only thing. Yeah, awesome. What's the best beer experience you ever enjoyed? Best beer experience? Um, probably walking into a bottle shop in Canada and seeing my labels on the shelf for the first time ever. That was nice. pretty cool. Nice. That's very similar to many brewers I've spoken to talking about the first time they tasted their beer off the candy line. That's yeah, a, absolutely. Oh, and also it was pretty cool at the Beatnik launch. We, we did the Beatnik artwork um, yep. and it, it was a tinny party and just walking into the Great Northern and 
everybody in the beer garden holding a beatnik can. That was pretty weird. It felt like a weird dream. That's actually. awesome. You feel like a bit of a rock star. <laughs> oh, you, you know what it's like to feel like a rock star because you were one. There you go. Uh, no, I was a struggling independent musician. But sure, if everyone wants to think that I was a rock star, then that's fine with me. You're a, you're a rock star to me. There you go. Uh, oh, what, thanks, Grit. What's the most important thing you've learned in your journey? Um, to be what we talked about before, actually, to be genuine and authentic and uh, always stay honest. Nice, nice. I like that. I like that. It seems to be a common theme through this craft beer industry. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And uh, my sixth question in the Fast Five is, uh, <laughs> do you know Chris Hemsworth and can you help me get him on this podcast? Um, no, I don't. Fuck it. Damn. <laughs> one, one day somebody I'm going to talk to on this podcast is going to say, yep, and uh, we'll dial him in and get him on straight away and we can promote craft beer together forever. <laughs> it would be awesome. Oh, uh, well. Maybe one day. We'll see. Anyway, uh, Jesse, look, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for persevering with our technical difficulties. I seem to say that quite often on these podcasts. <laughs> been an absolute pleasure to talk to. I wish you all the best of the future. Maybe we'll have a chat again at some stage soon uh, when we need to you know, Thanks, talk about Chris, the latest yeah. trends. It's awesome. And uh, for everybody out there, Craft Instinct, check it out on the website. Um, check them out in another month or so when they get their new website going. And if you've uh, got any friends in the craft industry looking for uh, some branding, Go and see Jesse and the guys at Craft Instinct. So thanks again, Jesse, and cheers to great beers. Thanks, Chris. Loved having a chat. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to another Beer Healer interview. I really hope you guys enjoyed the episode as much as I did. If you want to follow along with more Beer Healer content, you can check out my Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram pages. Just search Beer Healer, or you can visit beerhealer.com. If you like the podcast, can you please help me spread the word by subscribing and rating it and sharing it with your beer-loving friends? <laughs>